0: Hey. Hey. Uh,
1: hey. <laughs> hey. 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 Hey.
0: Whatever happened to the phones?
2: This is the AT Banter Podcast a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
0: Hey, and welcome to yet another episode of AT Banter. 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 Nice teamwork, fellas. You, you think you guys are working together or something? You betcha. Should we open the show with that? Should we Should we make the big announcement? I guess
2: we can make that big announcement. All right, yeah. well,
0: I'm just going to step away, and uh, one of you guys, one of you professionals, can take the mic and
2: <laughs> make <laughs> the announcement. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever see. So, yeah, Canadian Assistive Technologies, uh, which has been a one-man band so far for the last uh, 10 months, has hired its first, well, not first employee, I guess I was the first employee technically, but uh, it's hired help. And and the hired help is Ryan Fleury. Yay! Say something about yourself, Ryan.
3: Hi, I'm Ryan Fleury. I'm the second employee of Canadian Assistive
2: Technologies. Woo! Yay, yeah, what, did yeah.
3: he give you a title what's your title
2: grunt yeah i keep, I keep <laughs> referring to him as technical su- support specialist but yeah. you know we'll have to come up with something a little more creative than that i think maybe yeah
0: uh so what so i don't know tell
3: what, what are you going to be doing i will be doing sales technical support regular customer service kind of like i did in the old days at the old company
0: wow
3: well yep. congratulations sir thank you very much you're buying lunch not until I get my first check. I want to wait until well, the 15th it before it it hit them up on that one. Damn. Let's make sure that check clears. <laughs> it, it won't.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'll that'll be the subject of the first staff meeting.
3: <laughs> About that paycheck. <laughs> it bounced and it hasn't come back down yet. That's right. <laughs> uh, nah, exciting times. Excellent. Well,
0: that begs the question, what the hell are you doing here and not at work? I'm at
3: work here in my office. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. This is
2: a uh, this is distributed uh, technology company. It's all virtual. I right. see. Right. Yeah. Yep.
0: And well, this
3: podcast it. is brought to you by Canastech. That's Whoa, true. Whoa, look at that. Oh, wow. we're getting the
0: plugs in yeah. immediately. <laughs> plug? not even, wow. we're, we're not even five minutes in and he's got the first plug in. He's got a real you sense bet. of ownership going That's on there. Right. Huh? What's you the website, it. Ryan?
3: www.canastech.com. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. wow. Look at that.
3: Mm-hmm. Keener. Raring to go. Yeah, excellent. Still doing breakfast on Friday. <clears throat> yes. yes. No. 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, that's can over. Give the time off for that. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on your own time.
0: That's for unemployed bums only. Sorry. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh Now, are you? Is are you going to have a local? Are you? Is that? Yes. Is that how it's going to work?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Steve can explain that.
0: Well, we can. We don't have to. We well, we can talk about it now, but we can wait until it's actually all set up. But by Friday, by Friday when we post it.
2: Yeah, so basically the way it works is uh, I have a a system called Rogers Unison, and Unison sets up a virtual switchboard for you, and you can set up call trees for it. So right now, option one is sales, option two is technical support, option three is uh, administration. And if you press one, two, or three, they all ring through to my phone. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) great. So uh, what I'll be doing for uh, technical support Ryan's phone will become the primary. It'll it'll direct to Ryan's phone, and then uh, I will become the secondary number on that. So if Ryan can't pick up that number, I'll pick up the number right. when it rings through to me. Uh, and we'll have the reverse on the sales side. So if I'm on the phone dealing with the sales call, it'll ring through to Ryan.
0: Nice.
2: So yeah. So you just set up you just set up your trees like that. So it's
0: just gonna, it's all going to be the same number. yep. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah so, it'll all come all right. through the same number. Yep. Yeah. And that number is. Ryan. 604 3. Oh, the local number.
3: Oh, the local yeah, he's, number. He's doing the local number. Okay, local I'm sorry. Number. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. 604 367 9480. Look at that. Okay, toll free? I don't have that yet. Oh, <laughs> snap. Wow. 1866. No, 844. 844. Oh, Something, 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 9480. Yeah, yeah I it, you know what? I'd have to look I, it up I too. Think,
0: I, I have to admit, whenever I'm doing stuff on the website,
3: I have to look it up every time too. I, yeah, I haven't
0: remembered it. It took me two years to remember a Rogan's toll free number. So, eight, I know
2: it's
0: 844. Four. I think it's seven nine five eight three two four. Is that right? Uh,
2: That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Look that's, at me. That's I'm that's not good. even a. Employee and I know the numbers. <laughs> the last word did just spelled tech. That's all I know. Well that's eight three two four. The toll free number is one eight four four seven nine five eight three two four. Look at that. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fabu. That's Bring excellent. those phones. Bring
3: those phones. Yep. Yeah.
2: Papa needs a new pair of shoes. That's right.
0: Well, so so yeah, So anyone has any technical support? Problems? Questions? Call Ryan. He'd love to talk to you.
2: Well, not anyone. No anyone. Not just anyone, anyone. <laughs> folks. Anyone, anything. If First. you just
0: want to talk, call Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> got a problem? Call Ryan. That's right.
3: Uh, sure.
0: Uh, hey, a couple things in the news that I noticed. Did you guys uh, get that link that I sent you about the uh, Hex Hog?
3: Yes. I haven't read it yet. Yes. Oh, right. it is. This is cool. I want one. We, we
0: got to get these guys on the show. It's a. Uh, it's a. All-terrain wheelchair. It's the coolest looking thing you've ever seen.
2: Yeah, it's got like six wheels on it. Cool, is that right? Yeah. yeah. two, two, three sets of two. And yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, fully battery powered. Charges in like two hours. Wow. Well, yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly looking.
0: The other thing that I noticed is that uh, on the Google, the Google store, uh, the Google Home and the Google Home Mini has have been reduced back down to their... Black Friday, um, price points.
3: I saw the, something that, uh, best buy in the States was actually buy one, get a second one free. Oh, is that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, they're still, they're still really pushing that, Mm -hmm. Um, right into the holiday season, which, you know, again, is smart. It's probably, you know, I'm guessing that they saw that, uh, the HomePod was delayed and they went, you know what, let's, let's press this advantage and let's. That's
2: right. Let's grab that market share. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, they're not dummies. Nope. Although, another thing that I did hear, though, is that uh, I guess their rollout for the, the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 2 S, uh, XL has not been going too smoothly. Really? Yeah, there's been, apparently there's been a lot of bugs popping up um, that they're sort of trying to address. On uh, the same thing for the Google Home Mini, actually. There was an article that I read about how that there's a bug um, that the unit will reboot if you turn it up too loud. Oh, is that right? Yeah, no kidding. yeah. So apparently they're sort of a, trying to address that in a in a firmware patch that should be coming down the pipe soon. But, but you I mean that's normal, you know,
2: bugs. You yeah, know, you get hiccups on product rolls rollouts all the time, right? Yep.
3: Yep. Did you see in the news Saturday? I think it was an iPhone six exploded. No, mm-hmm. an iPhone six. Yep, it was charging. Actually, no, it wasn't charging. The guy had it in his. In his hand or in his pocket, and he, I think he had just put it on the charger, took it off the charge, and it got really, really hot. Started to smoke.
0: Well, I mean, that's going to happen with electronics.
2: Right. I mean. Well, hey, if it's an iPhone six, odds are it's an old battery, right? Yeah. So it sounds like one of the battery swollen, cells shorted out. And, and, yeah. And died spectacularly yep it did
3: well it's yeah. the way to go out if you're a phone
2: you know i'm gonna
0: go out i'm gonna go out in a blaze of glory i'm I'll not just gonna just get thrown into a drawer and forgotten about it i'm
3: well, like i was saying he's really happy he actually didn't have it up to his ear talking you know oh sure severe burns but yeah that would suck yeah it would but you'd
0: boy you get a melting. sweet payday <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> i mean okay disfigurement okay yeah. but you got know, enough, you got a lot of money. Got a ear anymore, but a new phone. Well, listen, the ladies, they like the
0: money. They don't so much care about your ear. The only you game. can you can have one only one good ear and one disfigured ear if you have a lot of cash. Only if you have that you Apple money.
3: If that Apple money. If you have that
0: Apple money, boy, you're getting dates.
3: Yeah, there was another news article that Apple's going to repay Ireland for their back taxes or whatever like. What? 14 billion dollars or something. What? Yeah. What news sites are you on?
0: Twitter. What? Apple's paying Ireland's taxes?
3: Paying back. Apple yeah, hasn't they didn't pay they their didn't taxes. They pay taxes in Ireland. Oh. Yeah. I see. And then they were caught. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, scandalous. Mhm. I yeah, I did not hear that. But like you say Apple money, it's endless, limitless.
0: Pretty much.
1: Brad Turner.
3: Hi Brad, it's Ryan.
1: Hey Ryan, how are you?
3: Doing well, thanks. How are you? Good. Good. So I appreciate you joining us this morning, this afternoon, wherever you are.
1: Uh, I'm San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, so okay. Still yeah, west
3: coast rain. as well. Excellent. Yep. You got the sun, we got the rain.
1: You know, we've got the overcast right now.
3: Ah. Uh, oh, well. What can you do? It's <laughs> better than snow. So
1: I've, a- Absolutely.
3: I've got a co-host with me. His name is Rob Minot.
1: Hello there. Hi, Rob. How Rob.
3: Are you? Rob Good pretty much yourself? takes over the show.
0: No, I don't. That's, that's a baseless accusation. <laughs> don't blame me for this show.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, I can tell this is going to be an awful time on this
3: call.
0: <laughs> we
3: try. Yeah, and it's great. So yeah, why don't we just launch into it?
0: Sure, sure, sure. Well, I have to I have to admit I was doing research uh, for the show over the weekend and uh, you know I'm fascinated by by Benetech and and it's it seems like it's a it's a pretty amazing company. Um, why don't we start right from the beginning and tell us a little bit about the origins of Benetech and sort of what it spun out of
1: Sure. So um Benetech is a social enterprise in that we're a tech company, but, um, but we're a nonprofit. So we sort of bridge the social sector and the tech sector in that we, um, we will go places and do things with technology that for-profit companies won't do. Um, a great example of that is Bookshare. Um, which is in our global literacy program, and I'll describe that in just a little bit. But but Bookshare is a library for people with print disabilities, meaning blind, dyslexic, visually impaired, or mobility impaired such they can't um, hold a book or turn the pages. And and we have the capability to, to leverage technology to provide books to people who can't typically use a a normal book um so they can't get information that way so um that's that's just one example of how we use technology to address a problem that a for-profit company won't do and that's really the way um, benetech operates Um, so we have a global literacy program we have uh, a human rights program and we also have a labs program that looks for kind of the next big thing you know is it something in the environment is it something in social services is it something in you know another thing in in literacy or education um and and that's and that's the way the way benetech operates it came out of um an idea that our founder and and current ceo had um that's jim fructerman jim um was working building reading machines for the blind um if you think about 30, 35 years ago, the only way a blind person could get a book was to either get a recording of that book or ask their you know friend, neighbor, spouse, parents you, you know name name your name your your person um, to read that book to them, and um, the the advent of the e book. Sort of changed all that, and Jim recognized that um, with eBooks we could use technology to be able to transfer that e- that eBook into multiple different formats: a braille-ready format, um, an audio format, large print format. Um, so, so lots of different types of formats that would help people with different types of disabilities. Um, he, because of his work in the blind community building reading machines for them, which were basically a, uh, an optical character recognition uh, engine, which would, you know, you could try and read a page. Um, we then started having uh, the blind community who would scan their books and then go through and proof that book. And so they had a clean copy, because the scans aren't always accurate. So you, you scan it, then you read through it, somebody reads through it for you, co- makes the corrections, um, and now you have a clean scanned copy. We provided a database for them to be able to donate those books and share them. Uh, and then started working with publishers to have publishers start to donate those books uh, as well, and so the, that collection has grown. Benetech came out of that effort, um, which was you know let's start with this this problem that we want to solve. Let's apply technology to it, um, and and then you know we started looking at other things like uh, human rights, which was our which was our second uh, program, and the environment. And we we actually um, uh, built a resource planning application for. Uh, environmental nonprofit organizations and spun that out, and and the, you know that's still a running application, um, but it's not something we need to contribute to anymore. And so now we're looking using resources to see what the next thing is. So that's sort of the, the background of and, and kind of the fabric of Benetech.
0: Yeah, I found it fascinating the the idea that because uh, previously Benetech used to be a company called Arkstone, Arkstone, right?
1: Uh, Arkinstone um was sort of the seed capital for Benetech, if right. you will. Arkenstone was the reading machine system, um, and somebody purchased that, and and Jim was able to uh, take that money to start Benetech.
0: Right, right. Which I, I don't know. I found fascinating. It, it was like you know, it's, you know, and on the one hand, you know, you're taking a, a technology and you're 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 selling it to a for-profit company. But then you're taking that that seed money and you're you're building something that has many other arms and can do a lot more good than just one one road.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, again, that's the the kind of the difference that we bring to the nonprofit world is that really at our heart, we're a tech company. And and so we we see what things we can leverage technology for to help underserved communities.
3: So on the topic of Bookshare, you know, I, I think we should start there because it is so so well-known. But for our listeners who may not have heard of Bookshare, um, who is Bookshare for and is it available globally?
1: Yeah, so Bookshare is uh, the world's largest library for um, people with disabilities that prevent them from using a traditional book. Um, we call those print disabilities, but I always find that I have to describe that. So, so um, a, a print disability is, of course, someone who's blind, can't see a traditional book, low vision, you might be able to see it, but you it's very difficult to read, uh, dyslexic or other learning disability, um, or someone, and, and this is the outlier that people don't always see, someone who um, has a mobility impairment that keeps them from using a book. Maybe they can't hold it. Um, maybe they can't turn the pages. Maybe um, they have a condition that, that um, prevents them from being comfortable uh, holding paper. Um, so, it, so any of those, um, those conditions that prevent you from using a book there's a um, there's an, ex- an exemption in the US copyright law that says certain companies can distribute ebooks to people actually make copies of books is really the way the law is written you can make a copy of a book for someone with a print disability we just happen to make copies of books electronically so Um, So Bookshare is um, available to people with a bona fide disability, and we check disabilities for every single one of our members. Uh, If you have a bona fide disability, you can have access to Bookshare, um, and we actually have members, active members in, in 80 countries. Wow.
0: Wow. Nice. So I I imagine that 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 service, I mean, has got to be incredibly valuable, um, especially, you know, outside of North America, uh, you know, in in developing countries.
1: It it is. Um, I was on a call with a an African country and they and I said, how large is your collection? And they said, we have 83 Braille books. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Bookshare um, has. Over 400,000 books available in that country, and we have that, uh, and we have those books available in five different formats for them. Mm -hmm. So if they want them in a braille format, um, or if they want to take any one of those 400,000 books and take them to a braille embosser and make a make a hard copy of that book, we can we can provide that book for them. And 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 when I was talking to this government official in this country that the silence was deafening, right? Because they were, (laughs) they were all the way up to almost a hundred. And I said, you know, we, we can offer you, you know, 400,000. And so it's, you know, the magnitude is, is pretty staggering.
3: No, I'm, I'm totally blind myself, Brad, and a CNIB client and a Sela library client. Uh Uh And, you know, when I first, Started getting books and signing up with Bookshare. We were limited to the number of um, Titles that we could get here in Canada. Is that changing?
1: It, it is we're actually we have a great partnership with CELA and CNIB where anybody who is a CELA member um, and has a uh, verified disability can have access to any one of Bookshare's titles. Oh, okay. So, um, so CELA is sponsoring access to Bookshare um, for any one of their members. They do check a um, a proof of disability. Our agreement with publishers is that we will validate uh, that someone has a print disability. Right. Um, and, and but once that disability is validated, you become a full fledged member of Bookshare um, and can access to any one of those titles that, that are available in Canada.
3: That's great to hear.
0: And you know, going back to the, the idea of re- e-reader, um, or e-readers in, in general, as opposed to um, you know braille literacy. I mean, it's a bit of a hot topic here in North America, I know, um, you know, sort of the, the, the idea that, that braille literacy is so important and braille, braille books and, and braille mm-hmm. training and braille documents are important. Part of the problem with, with Braille, though, is that it's just, it's so expensive to produce. So, you know, again, I got to go back to the idea that, you know, this is this is such um, a, a better solution um, in terms of, of access to, to literature for developing countries and people in developing countries. Um, I guess the question is, like, does it, does it shock you that the sort of the lack of Braille in these countries and, it, you know, do you, do you guys really see the value in in what you're you're providing to the, the people in those countries
1: so I so it saddens me that um, that fewer people are reading Braille um, it's it's truly the capability to read versus um, just getting the content mm-hmm. so you know like a, an audiobook or you know listening to it right Um you know that being said, um, if if the choice is not getting the content at all versus getting the content in an audio format, I, oh my gosh, please get the content in the way you're going to consume it. <laughs> right, right, because because that's 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 the important piece. Is you know, knowledge. One of the things that we say in a number of our proposals is that knowledge is really a fundamental human right, mm-hmm. and yet over 95 percent of the things that are the materials that are produced in print are not accessible right and so if you can can get that material any way you want it that that's better than having somebody get it in braille now if you have the option and can read braille even better because um you know then then you can read and and um in your options expand, Um, you know, reading the room number, in a hotel, because all the room numbers have uh, Braille underneath the room number or the floor on the elevator. You know, I mean, that's that's super important stuff. That's one of the reasons that um, Bookshare is so revolutionary, even after 15 years of doing this, is that if you want that book in Braille, we'll give it to you in electronic Braille format. And so you put that. You can put that into um, a refreshable braille display. Um, if you want that in an embossable braille, you, you know we'll give that to you, and you can take it down and get it embossed and have a hard copy braille. But if you don't read braille or don't have a refreshable braille display or um, don't have access to an embosser, we'll give that book to you in in, uh, in an audio format, or we'll give that book to you in a large print format, or we'll give that book to you in what. I like to call it karaoke-style reading, where, especially for folks with learning disabilities like dyslexia, the word highlights as it's read, um, so that so that someone with dyslexia can follow along on a you know word-by-word word basis. Again, the speed you can change the speed, you can change the highlighting. There's there's lots of different um, adjustments and customizations that you can do, even even within that um, that format, so that our, our job isn't to force you to choose our job is to allow you to choose um, in any format that you want and and that's what especially in the developing nations um, that that's what becomes pretty powerful because they have difficulty educating students on Braille and um, you know, mobile phones are ubiquitous mm-hmm. in in certain countries, you know, upwards of 70% of the population accesses the web only via a mobile phone. And so if we can give them their content in a device that they're comfortable with, um, all of a sudden that book is already in their pocket. Yep. And, and, you know, walking home, taking the bus, um, sitting at recess, whatever it is that they that you know that wherever they want to read that book, they can pull that book up and start to read it. So,
0: how how has the the sort of the, the changes in technology over the last say fifteen years impacted Benetech?
1: Well, so um, you know they've they've made the formats better. Um, specifically the texas speech technology has gotten so much better over the right. last 15 years mm-hmm. um, you know my 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 car has a texas speech engine to uh, give me directions right, right. Um, and it's it's you know 3 or 4 years old even in the last 3 or 4 years the texas speech engines like siri um, or the the google voice um, are, are really, really getting good. Um, and so that becomes, um, much more natural than robotic, um, when you're reading. And, and so every single one of our books is synthetic speech. That's how we, we, we added, um, 103,000 titles to the library last year. Wow. Uh, if, if you're doing human narration, you're adding somewhere between one and maybe up to 3000 titles a year. And we added 103,000. Wow. Now, um, the, you know, people say, Oh, but it's, it's all uh computer talking, right? Mm-hmm. It's all synthetic speech. I said, yes, but when's the last time you really listened to, um, the synthetic speech voices? Because there's 50 of them out there, and some of them are very, very good. So, so that's one of the ways technology has, um, has changed uh, fairly dramatically and, and affected the service. Um, ebooks are getting better. There's, there's much more standards and alignment around ebooks. And so, we can, as evidenced by what we did last year, we can bring more books in faster with, um, with sort of cleaner um conversions to different formats when we were getting books in a lot of different even even though they were quote adhering to the standard the standard was a little up in the air Um, and so we would we would really struggle to put books into the collection um, that were consistent and and now that standard is is a much tighter definition um, and so publishers are starting to adhere much better to that standard because now it's set in stone and, um, and evolving. And, and so they can evolve with it. And so the books get cleaner. Um, and, and so over 90 percent of our books are straight from publishers, publisher quality quality. Um, if you find a typo in it, it's not that it was introduced by a conversion process, it's that it was never cleaned up by the publisher themselves. So you're gonna find that same typo in a print book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, um, t- technology has really uh, helped us drive more books uh, in, in a better, uh, more accessible format, um, and, then, and then get them faster, right? The advent of the web. Um, um, and, and the uptake of that web in developing nations especially has, um, has been such a great thing because now all of a sudden, you know, hundreds of millions of people, billions of people can access the books as, you know, as long as they qualify. And, you know, there's 350 million probably, you know, not a firm number, but, but you know, uh, somewhere between 5 and 10% of the, of the population suffers from a print disability. There's seven billion people on the planet. three hundred fifty million people who who should have access to a technology like Bookshare.
0: Um, so tell us a little bit more about because because Bookshare is only one arm of, of Benetech, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about some of the other arms and what else you guys are up to.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, so one of the other things that we do um, is. A, we we manage a group called the Diagram Center, um, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna use Bookshare as an example here. Um, you know I I mentioned that you know 20 25 years ago the only way to get a book was either on a tape that somebody had narrated or or have your friend read you the book, uh, and then and then we got to ebooks. and so now you know what Harry Potter is pretty straightforward. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's pretty straightforward. It's got chapter titles, it's got page numbers, it's got a table of contents, and your screen reader reads it. Um, You know what? As easy as Harry Potter is, something like fifth grade science is really hard because (laughs) it's got charts and Mm -hmm. graphs and uh, columns and images uh, that are labeled and it's, it, it's got so many um, elements that aren't pure text and so the diagram center was formed inside Benetech to work on um, kind of the next frontier of accessibility and and that's things like math because equations can be very difficult you know a plus b equals c is pretty easy uh, the quadratic equation is pretty hard uh, and and showing long division is pretty hard for a screen reader, right? So so how do we not only address um, elements beyond text, but also how do we address disabilities beyond disabilities? Deaf and hard of hearing, um, you know that the deaf and hard of hearing community has a very difficult time learning to read. Once they learn to read, of course they can words and, and turn the pages, but learning what those words sound like, um, and, and signing them, that, that, it's, that's very challenging. And so, so the diagram center is all about kind of tackling those next frontiers. How, how do I support graphical elements? How do I support math equations? A lot of it is STEM content or what I like to say, STEAM content, science, technology, engineering, art, and math, because uh, the Mona Lisa, <laughs> excuse me, the Mona Lisa is just as important as the periodic table of the elements and just as difficult to describe. The other thing that we're doing uh, in, the, in the literacy organization within Banatech is recognizing that as as great as Bookshare is, um, and as large as it is and as quick as it's growing, it's a losing battle because there were perhaps a million books that were published last year and we added 100,000 of those, which means that there are 900,000 that aren't accessible. Right. And so um, what we're trying to do is work with publishers to create systemic change within the publishing industry and get them to publish in an accessible fashion from the outset. And so we call that our born accessible initiative. And the moniker is really if a book can be born digital, it should be born accessible. Um, and, and nobody typesets anymore. And so everything that's coming out is coming out in a digital format. And, and what, what that means is as long as they put proper navigation, in, as long as they put a table of contents in, and as long as they put page numbers in and chapter titles and and use p- proper contrast and have alt text on the images at, at, at a minimum and you know there's some images that should have long descriptions because they're complex enough and right if a publisher does that and and they m- many of them are most of the way there if they do that then that book that ebook is accessible when it comes out and and all of a sudden I don't need to retrofit that book and put it in a bookshare. That That book is better for the print disabled community. And you know what? It's better for the non-print disabled community as well. Imagine if you're cramming for an exam and you're reading a book versus cramming for exam and reading and listening to the book at the same time. You're getting it through two different neural pathways and, and you learn the material faster and better and so the books that are built that way can be better for everybody even though they're critical for the print disabled community
0: right it's one of these great uh, I mean there's so many there's so many aspects of accessibility that are just like that where it it may um, be specifically designed to cater to uh, an accessibility need but Really, in reality, it benefits everybody. And, and, uh, you know, those are the the best types of technologies.
1: Two of my favorite examples are curb cuts. Right. And the Audible CrossFox. Curb cuts, because I travel a lot, and, you know, the curb cuts were built for people to roll their wheelchair up, but you see people use them, you know, on every block with their suitcases and their strollers. And, you know the audible um, crosswalk signals, not because people can't see the sign. Of course, they put them in for the disabled community because they couldn't, but because people people are staring at their phones. Yeah, and right. and they'll just step out. But if at least if it's audi- audible, they wait until they hear it change and then they go. So um, you know both of those technologies were built to serve the. Um, the disabled population and yet the um, the general population uses them all the time right and, and same thing with with this born accessible initiative the books are better for the general population even though they they're built for um, for people with disabilities
3: so I'm gonna pose a couple questions at you have you sure. considered the ability for people to listen to their Bookshare books through one of the digital speakers, like a Google Home or an Amazon Echo?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I was trading emails this morning about that. Um, and and um, so, yes, we're, we are actively investigating that.
3: Excellent. Second question I have <laughs> is, do you guys... With your work with the publishers and making books accessible from the onset, do you guys also work with companies in making websites accessible? Because that's a battle that's been going on forever.
1: It is a battle that's been going forever. And we, and we do a little bit of that. But, we, you know, we find that there's a lot of companies that, that do that type of website compliance work. Right. Um, because you know it's it's the law. Some people follow it, some people don't. It's it's um, often overlooked, except for big public websites. Um, and and so you see, you know, United Airlines um, make sure their website's accessible. Um, and and you know many of the large websites do it to a certain extent. And and there are lots of people who who do that work. There are very few people who do the work that we do. Um, we get requests for it. Um, we're more about, um, book accessibility, but we also do some work with, uh, platform accessibility. Uh, some of the testing companies have come to us and said, um, hey, how do I make my, my test accessible? Um, and, you know, and, and that becomes not only a content challenge, but a platform challenge as well, because it's pretty hard to drag and drop. Um, it's pretty hard to describe an image without giving away the answer. If the question is something like, what percentage of the circle is filled, and you see a circle on the page where half of it is filled, if you describe it as half the circle is filled, (laughs) and you know that half equals 50%, that's right, so you're, that becomes a a content challenge, Um, but online testing, drag and drop, and, um, slider bars; those become platform challenges as well. So, so we do some of that work, right? Um, but for pure websites, um, f- far less of that. Okay. Um, mostly when we get those requests, we farm out to to partners that we have.
3: Sure. So, you guys also do a lot of work regarding human rights issues. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So we, again, one of the things that's Fundamental or core, of course, is the ability to use technology to solve a social problem. Um, one of the things that we identified a number of years ago is that human rights defenders had a difficult time uh, collecting information in a secure fashion and um, and sharing that information with people who could do something about it. So if you're if you're documenting anything from um, a, a social uh, problem here in the United States to, you know, genocide in sub-Saharan Africa, collecting that information um, becomes a challenge. And then it, it, in some senses can be incredibly dangerous right. where, you know, um, a, a perpetrator can, can get Uh, a a tip that somebody's collecting information against them and and come uh, and and do something terrible. So um, we built an application that allowed people to collect that information and um, share it very securely. You know, over the last few years, um, information collection has stopped being the problem because both of you, as well as I, as well as uh, 95% of the people we come in contact with, carry information collection devices with them at all times. Right. Right. And they get shared to this, you know, little service called YouTube. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and so it's, they're, they're, the, the shift has been fairly dramatic to, from from, can we collect this information securely to what we're calling open-source investigations. Um, And that's that's different than open-source software. Open-source investigations are, that information exists somewhere. It's on Instagram, it's on Twitter, it's on YouTube, it's on, you know, all of the public sites out there. It's filtering that information and being able to share it with the authorities. And, um, And so now what we're doing is working with um, the International Criminal Court and, um, and the uh, UN organizations to help them set up um, uh, the ability to parse through the volume of information that's out there in these open source investigations and pull the necessary pieces in order to, um, to prove crimes against humanity. And so that's that's really kind of been a fundamental shift for us is rather than help people collect that, we're moving towards helping people parse through what's already been collected because it's already collected and secure out there.
0: But we should state again, too, that that Benetech is a nonprofit organization. So now do you guys rely heavily on volunteers?
1: We do. Um, We are a nonprofit organization um, that... If if you think back to our roots, we worked with members of the blind community who were all volunteers to um, have them uh, scan books and donate them to this fledgling collection called Bookshare, um, and and somebody actually had a collection of a few thousand titles, and that was a that was a huge collection at the time, and so. So we started with that corpus of books um, and relied on volunteers for years, volunteers who would purchase a book, cut the spine off the book, scan it, um, and then proof it. And in fact, we still do that today internal to Benetech because we get requests for books from students who who need a book for school that we can't get from a publisher it's a backlist book that the publisher doesn't have in a digital format, it's, you know, there's a few publishers we still don't work with, so it, it might be from from one of those publishers. There, there are a variety of reasons, and so we will go out and purchase the book, chop the spine off it, scan it, uh, proof that book, and then put it into the collection. And the reason we proof it is, again, scanners are 99%, 98, 99.5% accurate, right? but, the sentence sure changes when it says, you know, if you have one letter wrong that says the glass is not full versus the glass is now full. Um, Boy, that's going to change the meaning of the whole of the whole paragraph or the whole book. Right. So, um, so we, we still do that internally and about, excuse me, about five to 10% of our books that we add to the collection are still done that way. And we have a, um, a tireless core of volunteers who still pick books off a request list um, if somebody can't find it in a collection they'll put it on a request list um, and, and volunteers will go pick a book off the request list chop it scan it proof it themselves and submit it to the collection themselves um, and, and so we we still have a, a group of people doing that on their own time um, um, and and then of course, the the internal effort that I mentioned, and then about ninety percent of the books that come in uh, to Bookshare come in from publishers.
0: If there are people out there that are listening that that would be interested in volunteering, uh, do you have a, a an address that they can um, they can email you at?
1: So they can, yeah, absolutely. They can go to um, either Bookshare.org or benetech.org. Um, on the benetech.org site, uh, one of the pull-down menus is a volunteer. You know, I wanna help out. Um, and that gives all the information that they need to, to know to figure out how to volunteer for us. Um, and you know what, we love the help. Um, a, a big chunk of our international team are volunteers. Uh, who completely believe in the mission and uh, just want to see Bookshare succeed in their country. Uh, and, and so, you know, between, between those types of volunteers, between the book-proofing volunteers, um, we, we love the help.
0: Excellent. And Brad, was there anything we missed or anything else that you wanted to mention before we let you go?
1: No, I, you know, the, the, I guess the one other piece... Is um, sort of in between Bookshare and our Born Accessible initiative is a certification um, initiative that we've launched, where um, we're allowing publishers to get their titles certified as accessible, um, and and then we're really promoting that certification to um, large. Procurement offices, especially at the state and district level, such that when a school wants to buy a book, they need it, they're required by law to make, um, to provide an equivalent education. And part of that is to provide materials that are accessible to their students. Um, Rather than have those materials either not be accessible or force them to wait conceivably months for materials to be accessible. We'd love to have those publishers build materials accessible in in the Born Accessible Initiative. What's driving that is also the purchaser saying, I want that book. If I'm gonna buy that book from you, I need to be able to buy an accessible copy. So so that that sort of starts the cycle of publishers say, hey, I'll invest to make sure my books are accessible buyers say hey i'm going to buy that accessible title publishers say great i'm now have a competitive advantage over uh, the rest of the publishers who are selling uh you know a math book since euclidean geometry hasn't changed since the days of euclid Um, so what changes is the presentation of it and the accessibility of it and so you know bookshare bookshare will certainly continue to do its part in in providing materials that are accessible to everyone with a print disability um, but we're also working with publishers on the supply side and procurement offices on the demand side to try and, and get publishers to publish that way in the first place. Um, and so that's where that certification piece comes in, is that now there's a stake in the ground that says, hey, guess what? This book is is accessible. Uh, a school district knows what to purchase. Publisher knows that they can you know, have added exposure and um, and increase their sales if they do it that way. So. Um, that, that got launched about uh, five months ago, and um, we're starting to see some really good interest from publishers. Um, and again, it's, it's all about getting the right book to the right student in the way they want to read it. Uh, that's, that's what Benetech and, and Bookshare are all about.
0: Brad, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. You guys are doing incredible work. Uh, keep it up. It's really important.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, this is this is a great forum. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. All right, we will talk to you again. Gentlemen, thank you very okay. much. Thank All you, right, Brad. Thanks,
3: Brad. Thanks. thanks, Brad. Take care. Uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. You're going to just use that www dub, dub, dub thing forever now, aren't no, you? No, I'm going to change it up. Are you? Yep. Are you sure? I am. I feel like you
0: are falling victim of... of... Nope.
3: Okay. Nope all right you wait and
0: see all right we'll, we'll surprise see.
3: you it's all right right out of left field
0: they can also email us if they so desire uh at banter podcast at
2: gmail.com and they should do that right now right now just just go and email us uh so steve where else can people find us well they can find us on twitter at at underscore banter or they can find us on the Facebookies. At uh, AT Banter, no underscore. And uh, Steve. Well, you can find me at uh, Steve at Canastech. that's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or you can visit my website at www.canastech.com.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, I think that's going to bring things to a close, gentlemen. Thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll see everybody next
2: week.